Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Phil, a mixing engineer. Well, hello to you again out there in podcast land. I hope you're doing well, surviving and thriving in this weird and wonderful time. There are lots and lots of people who I could interview on this podcast, but I thought a really good person to interview is the person I'm interviewing today. Bands can often struggle, or find challenging anyway, interviews. What do you talk about? What don't you talk about? What are some good do's and don'ts for interviews? So this person I'm talking to today is a great person to talk to about that. I'm talking with Anne Estella, and she is a music journalist. She writes articles, but she also interviews bands on her YouTube channel. It's a really important skill is interviewing, and Anne just talks about it in such a fun and simple way. So without any further ado, on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Anne Estella. Anne, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, apart from a bit of a cold. I don't have COVID, so I can't complain. How are you? I'm very well. I I hear you went to a great festival this weekend. I did. It was Rocking the Bowl, and I was there on a Saturday and a Sunday. They'd asked me to judge the air guitar competitions on the Friday night, but I couldn't make it for the Friday, unfortunately. And I was looking forward to that as well. (laughs) But, um, But, you know, it was amazing. Really enjoyed it. Very, very friendly, lovely organisers, volunteers. Couldn't ask for more, really. Uh, but maybe apart from some more portaloos, you know, ones that flush <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the grim side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so my first question, as always, is from a random question generator. And my question this week is incredibly random. It's what's the most interesting thing that you could do with 400 pounds of cheddar cheese? Okay. That is extremely random. And I wasn't actually expecting anything quite that insane. 400 pounds of cheddar cheese. Okay. Um, well, the thing is, my daughter loves cheese. In fact, she once went to a birthday party where um, I think they must have been having pizzas or something. It was a soft play area. This is going back a few years. And they had um, bowls of cheese on the table for them all to share and sprinkle on a pizza. Well, she saw the bowl of cheese and just assumed naturally it was all for her. So she used up the whole bowl just for herself. So she <laughs> loves cheese. Um, but I don't think I could give her quite that much to eat. I think even, even she has limits. Um, something interesting to do with it. Um, God, my, my dog likes cheese, but uh, yeah, I don't think I want to fatten him up to that extent. Uh, I don't think he'd be thanking me for it. I don't think I can think of anything particularly interesting to do with cheese, apart from melt it and dip melt something it. in it and that yeah, have right. it fondue. Um, a cheese bath, maybe. A cheese bath. You could do a cheddar festival. It, oh, it could could do all sorts. It would have to be very quickly organised, though, because that would go off quite quickly. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd have to have proper storage for it. And um, but, but quite honestly, I, th- I think between my daughter and the dog, I think they'd polish it off pretty quickly. So <laughs> Solid plan. Yeah. So, so my first um, real question, I guess, is how did you get into music in the first place? Now, are we talking about my career in music or actual my my love of music to begin with love of music we'll come on to the career career in a bit love of music started at a very young age um when i it it was went hand in hand with my love of dance so i my my parents didn't weren't really music fans they didn't listen to records or anything like that um so the music i heard was on the tv to begin with 
And I would dance around the room to theme tunes, all, all different. My favourite theme tunes, I would be dancing to them. I love that. Um, I did ballet, I did tap, I did all the kind of, you know, little dance classes you expect a little girl to back in those days. Um, and from there, I, my dad was a self-taught clarinetist. So it wasn't fair to say there was no music in the house because he, he would play. And... I was encouraged by him to, to learn an instrument and I just he said, what would you like to learn? I think I was about six or seven when he asked me this and I said, said a flute. I don't know why. I think I just wanted something that was kind of delicate and graceful and I wasn't into drums or, any, or guitars or anything like that, you know. So, um, yeah, so I learned that and I listened to all kinds of music, pop music, as you'd imagine, growing up when I did then. The rock came afterwards when I was introduced to Guns N' Roses when I was doing my probably A-levels. Appetite for Destruction was out at that time and a friend of mine in my class said, have a listen to this. Uh, prior to that, I'd, I'd be listening to the radio and sort of things like Capital Gold. So I already had an introduction to the really old-style rock and roll of the sort of 50s, 60s, 70s. And um, when I heard Guns N' Roses, there was really no turning back. And it was, it was all downhill from there, really. <laughs> Yeah, no, but honestly, it was uh, it was life changing, and um, Guns N' Roses changed my life twice actually. Um, second time was when I got into music journalism. Yeah, being inspired by when they got back together. I was out of the music scene for a long time, having been quite actively involved in rock clubs and things at university. I kind of got completely out of it. You know, the clubs had shut. I kind of felt like the scene wasn't really around in Manchester anymore I got totally totally lost my way in the world of rock and um I always said that if if Guns N' Roses reformed I'd I'd have to go and see them and lo and behold 2016 they were playing London went along I thought yep it brought it all back to me you know those feelings that I had when I was a teenager listening to Appetite for the first time I thought yep this is something I need in my life again and um and then yeah the rest went from there I feel like it's heresy to say that I'm I'm not particularly a Guns N' Roses fan. That's Sorry. absolutely fine. I don't think I am these days either. Oh, well, fair <laughs> um, enough. There we are. Certainly a fan of, of the old stuff, yeah. Probably, you know, the first three or four. And anything up to Chinese democracy, anything after that, including that, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really impress okay, me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sometimes it, it's just about the nostalgia a lot of the time and how it made you feel when you first got into those bands and I, got, I mean I was into a lot of, of different music back then and ones you'd expect you know I was into grunge a lot and then your hard and heavier metal um I loved Alanis Morissette you know bands like White Zombie, Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, Motorhead, uh, the Ramones, Wild Hearts, The Almighty, all those bands they yeah Nine Inch Nails and Sisters of Mercy so the goth side as well as well of of things and yeah i loved it all so you said that the the guns and roses gig in 2016 was your catalyst for kind of reigniting your kind of love of your passion for music and then how did you get from there to going into music journalism because that's to my mind, that's quite a leap, and I don't know how you'd go about it. <laughs> right. Well, when I got back to Manchester from, from the gig in London, I thought, I need to do a bit of search online and find out if there's anything going on uh, in Manchester. In, is, is, there a, is there a rock scene these days? I had no idea at all. So 
did a few searches and as you'd imagine when searching for this sort of thing Manchester Rocks came up and I had a look at their website I thought I'd never heard of them I didn't know what they were what they did um but I just started messaging I was emailing the editor there just asking saying look you know can you advise me are there any rock clubs not for kids but for people my age you know are there any um gigs you'd recommend rock pubs you know and I, I wanted to build up more of a social life as well around that um and and yeah he said well there's this 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 you know so I was having a bit of a chat I didn't really find anything that I thought you know I I wanted to go to there wasn't there really wasn't that much but I was looking again on the website and um I noticed they were looking for writers now I had written previously in a different field it was corporate finance I was a writer researcher and it was very very boring um but I loved writing and I've always loved writing and I've written about all kinds of things um you know for for online forums and all sorts of things and I thought well I'll just see you know what what they actually need and they said oh we want somebody to go to gigs and review gigs they didn't mention to me about album reviews at that time that came later they said and it just turned out that one of the bands that I knew back in the day Dogster Moore were playing Manchester at the club called Rebellion. So I'd got tickets to see them. And I said, well, look, I'm going to be seeing this band that I love. Why don't I, I write a review for you? So they said, yeah, that sounds great. So I went along. Not only did I see them, I saw uh, the Main Grains, which featured Danny, from the, who I knew from the Wild Hearts already. So that was an absolute, you know, honour to see him again. It was amazing. Uh, and I think I was gushing to him about how I'd seen him was, you know, years ago in London Forum and how great the gig was. And then there was another band who was supporting. It was a local band called Gorilla Riot, who I'd never heard of at the time. And I started listening to their music. I wanted to be prepared before this gig. So I listened to their music. I thought, actually, they're, they're amazing, this band. So I went along, reviewed it, was blown away by Gorilla Riot, actually, more than the, the, the other two bands. Um, who were great, don't get me wrong. Um, but I thought, wow, that kind of talent is just knocking about on our doorstep and nobody knows about it. That's how it felt. I mean, obviously, I, w- I wasn't the first person to hear their music, but there weren't many people there, really. And I thought, they need to, have, they need to be headlining. You know, they were just amazing. Um, and that review was, I was given 72 hours to, to hand it in, being my first review. Next morning, the editor had it didn't change a word of it, published it straight away, and he was really happy with it. So from then on, he said, well, how would you like to, to review as many gigs as you want for us? And then do al- you can do album reviews. And I've never even thought of that. I've never reviewed an album before. I've never, I've never read an album review before until I'd actually started writing them. And so I wasn't sort of biased to, towards writing a certain style of writing or anything like that. I literally wrote how it made me feel and about the, the atmosphere and, and the energy of the gig and... So I sort of developed my own writing style from that, from, from then on. And um, after writing for Manchester Rocks for a while, there were other publications that came to light. I did a lot of networking online, found out who I should know in the industry, who was doing what, who was editor of which magazine. Um, and I ended up at one point writing to, for five UK magazines at the same time. So, I ran, you know, there's a little bit of juggling to do and working out, well, which gig should I review for this one? Which album should I review for that one? It was actually a lot simpler than it sounds. I always had a clear idea of which would suit which one. You know, I teamed up with various photographers who'd, who'd come to the gigs with me. They'd do the photos, I'd do the writing. And um, 
yeah, it, it kind of, you know, I did that for a long time. And, you know, after that, I sort of moved on into the bit on, in radio, which wasn't really for me. Uh, somebody suggested I set up in my YouTube channel, which I did. I was a bit reluctant to at first. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, but I'm the kind of person, you know, I need to, I need to change what I'm doing after I've done it for a while. I do get bored and I like to push myself and, and get out of my comfort zone and, and really explore any opportunity that comes my way. And then I got into, of course, interviewing the bands at lots of festivals. So that's something I'm really enjoying. And, um, yeah, I'm having, I mean, having great fun doing it. Excellent. That sounds quite, that's quite an exciting journey to me over the last five years. I, the, the big kind of thing that jumps out to me is if someone said to me, go to this gig and write, write up an article about it, I'd be like, what do you say? Like, because the, there's a common quote that I've always heard that's meant to be by Frank Zeppa, I think, is that that writing about music is like tap dancing about art or something like that. It's it's like it's so it's they're 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 different things and kind of communicating what an experience or what an album is like in words is actually quite difficult. So what how did you go about doing that kind of thing? Well, at that point, I started reading a lot of other reviews and seeing how things were written and the sort of style, the kind of words that were used um, to describe music, um, you know, things that I, I wouldn't have, have, have used before. So I, I did a lot of, I mean, I really was really 100% focused on that. So I did a lot of, I just considered it research that I was doing to try and improve my writing. And, and I literally just really wrote from the heart, you know. Um, I was already pretty pretty good at writing, I think. So it it wasn't too difficult. Um, I think some of it was quite indulgent, probably, because I didn't write too much about the technical aspects of the music. I wrote more about how it made me feel. And I like making analogies, usually analogies to do with food or sex, you know, that's that type of thing. I like to use a lot of humour, so I put a lot of my personality into what I was writing. And often, when I was doing reviews, I would almost make a theme about it and I like sort of to say something at the beginning that's sort of tied up at the end like a, almost like a little short story in itself I mean one gig I went to a fantastic gig but I managed to to make the whole thing sound like it was sort of a, like a football there was a football match going on at the time I think it was Manchester Derby or something and I'd um so I incorporated a lot of that in it and it intertwined it and you know so it just sounded a bit more interesting than well, this guy was playing guitar and he was pretty good, but, you know, the bassist was better and whatever. <laughs> you know. um, so I was very keen to have to develop my own style. And that's something I, I enjoyed very much. I think um, you're you're right in that conveying the emotion of the, the the gig or the album or whatever it is you're writing about is probably more important than writing technically about it. Going, oh, you know, they were playing sixteenth notes and that bit was great. No, if I can put it this way, no one no one cares. <laughs> if they if they really care about that, they'll listen to it. But if they want to know about how did it make someone feel, then that I think writing is a great avenue for exploring that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, when I think back to some of the re reviews I've written now, I'm, I'm really proud of them because, like I say, I put a lot of work, a lot of effort into them. And there'd be times where I'd send them off to an editor and then the next day I'd wake up with it, the word in my head and think, no, I've got to change that word. I've got to change it. And I would 
one word, I would just contact them and I say, no, you, it has to be, you know, I'm sure I drove them mad sometimes, but it's like it just, like a, an epiphany that this one word could change the way everything came across and just make it how I wanted it to come across and, and make it perfect in my eyes. So, um, yeah, so I kind of decided that I would never send any review off to be published at night. I would always wait till the following morning. Once, it, once I felt it was finished and done, I would never send it. I would wait next morning. If no changes came to my mind, then I knew it was ready. But if I woke up with a different word in my head, then I'd know that, that I had to change it, <laughs> no matter what. Even once it had been published, sometimes I did that. I say, no, you've got to Thankfully, it was only published online, those particular ones. But if it had been written, which some of them were, then it was, it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely too Just late. Just too it bad. Printed. Exactly. You have to suck it up. <laughs> and I know one, one editor said to me once, um, it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be done I think or something like this you know basically trying to say to me look you don't need to be sweating over it for like day after day after day and having sleepless nights sometimes it's better just to say enough is enough and that's good enough you know but that that's not my personality I want it to be not good enough I want it to be as best as good as it can be you know the best version of that in that review um and that was it because my, my at the end of the day my reputation it, it was at stake there so um you know it had, it had to read properly and make pod people want to it's yeah, important be interested it is important to you so yeah it's worth getting right exactly so you said um that you um you obviously set up this youtube channel and you spend a lot of time interviewing bands nowadays and i'm going to ask a really wide open question that i'm interested to see what you say what makes for a good interview? This is possibly the most meta interview I've ever done, where I'm asking you about interviews. So, yeah, when you're speaking with bands, what makes for a good interview? As far as I'm concerned, what makes a good interview is when the band members really express their personalities and their individuality and really give a glimpse of who they are. I like it when they use humour and they will have a laugh together. I love that. Or even if they argue, which doesn't usually happen. But if they did, I wouldn't mind. I like to see the side of the bands that aren't on their best behaviour, aren't really thinking, oh, this is an informal interview, and sitting there with their arms crossed, sort of, you know, waiting for the questions to come. I don't like that. I like it to flow like a conversation and really get to know the people behind the music. I don't think you can separate that. I know there's been talk in the past, can you separate people from the music? And it's only when bad things happen usually, you know. But in this case, I, I, I don't like to do that. I like to really see the personalities that create the magic. So you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to kind of draw out their personality into the public so that people can see what they're like as, as people. Some, yeah, sometimes it's it's harder than other times. Usually... If they've not been interviewed before, um, they can be on their best, on the guard, you know, on their best behaviour, not really sure what to say. Sometimes they can talk over themselves as well, which doesn't help. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's just sort of nervousness and just not being used to the interview situation. So um, it's not a problem, but you need to just try and make them feel at ease and comfortable and that you're just having a chat and they're not going for a job interview. <laughs> yes that is, that is very very different kind of interview no no one wants that <laughs> no no interviews are the worst thing ever invented so like in that, no, a formal interview should i say like that so yes getting away from that kind of thing is important 
So if um, you're speaking with a band who are maybe getting nervous about the idea of an interview, especially if it's being filmed rather than maybe being written down, do you have any good ideas of coping strategies for those kinds of bands when they're getting really nervous? Well, alcohol usually helps, <laughs> in my experience. Get them down with a beer or a glass of wine or something and, yeah, they'll tell you whatever you want to know. So, um, failing that... <laughs> Saying that, usually, um, I don't, don't know, I think it's the way you talk to them that's going to put them at ease. I don't think there's anything else they can really do to prepare. I don't send them questions in advance. They don't know what I'm going to ask. Yeah, and I always try and pitch it to them as, well, it's literally just going to be a conversation about what you're doing at the moment. They, I mean, more often than not, I don't really approach bands or artists for interviews these days. It's the other way around. So I'll get an email or a message or whatever on social media. Oh, you know, would you be able to interview us? And so these bands do want to be interviewed. So that's that's great. <laughs> you know, it's not like me trying to persuade them. Please, 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 let me interview you. So it's not that situation. They want to be there. So I don't tend to really have a problem with bands being too nervous to talk or feeling uneasy. That's not happened so far, uh, as far as I'm aware. And fingers crossed it won't happen. Fingers crossed it won't, yeah. So I guess some of these bands might look at your past interviews and try and maybe gauge what kinds of things you might want to ask and go from there. Or Yeah, I mean, I don't ask them anything tricky. It's going to be about them and what they're doing. So they should be able to talk about that, hopefully. <laughs> You'd think. You'd, you'd hope. Yeah. Do, do, do you ever ask any questions? Since you say that you you don't kind of send them questions, do you go into the interview with questions in your head that you kind of want to talk about, or do you literally just go, "You've said this, I'm going to ask this kind of no, question." No, no, I I, pre- I prepare. I like to be prepared, so I do. I make little bullet points that I'll sort of check, and I think you know, just things that I want to make sure I don't forget. And for example, names of albums, release dates, stuff like that. I usually like to include a a very brief description of the band that I'll get from their social media or website, Uh, names of the band members. So things like that I'll make points of and not too many, usually half a dozen, you know, maybe a few more points. And then in the course of the conversation, often other things will come up um, that we can then talk about. So I don't, I don't stick uh, strictly to to those things but it's a good it's good to have as a guideline um and there's points to remember things to ask them about so there's no awkward silences so we don't the like crib, awkward silences. Crib notes. Yeah. No, awkward silences are are the worst <laughs> but there we go on a podcast i can just edit out awkward silences so all is well <laughs> anyway um so do you tend to ask similar questions to bands or do you try and customize them for each band no i do tend to customize them yeah but you often find that a lot of them are the same for example i I will ask things like well what's in your diary what's coming up uh most of these bands will have a tour or um, an album that they want to promote so from that point of view yeah the questions will be quite similar it'll be about that tour or about that album but apart from that you know all the bands are different so there'll always be something else i can talk to them all about um so hopefully they're not too similar because i wouldn't want to just you know put out loads of interviews that are all the same but with different people each time 
how can bands in your in your opinion how can bands improve their interviewing skills when they're being asked questions and they have to kind of come up with interesting answers and things like that i think if they can expand as much as possible that always helps you know you, if you just have a very brief answer and kind of a closed answer that you can't really talk about or do anything with that doesn't help i think if they can give as much detail and you know, be descriptive and really give you an insight into whatever it is they're trying to, to tell you. You know, like, for example, how did the band get this name? You know, say, oh, well, the bassist came up with it one day. You know, you don't want that. You want to really know how it came about. And, yeah, I've got some great stories about how bands got names because that's something I used to ask, ask quite a lot. Um, I was thinking, yeah, like, those dumb crows and at the sun. Yeah, I remember asking them those questions and... Yeah, you got some answers you didn't expect, which is which is quite nice. Not now, Norman was another one of them. That was a great great band name. I was intrigued about that. I, I'm so, intrigued. I eventually. Not now, Norman. Um, that was to do with the chicken, I think. <laughs> chicken called Norman. Yeah, yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to um remind myself. But yeah, anyway, so a lot of them are to do with animals, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, I think just to, to tell the story in their own words and give as much information as they can, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. Closed, short answers are an absolute killer. And on this podcast, I'm not saying who, I'm not saying which episodes, uh, but there have been some guests who have, you know, you ask a question and they just say yes or something like that. And you're like, right, OK, I guess I'll I'll ask you something else now and i don't really know what now i'll just i'll just that's what i need to do next time you ask me a yes or no question i'll, I'll do that one word and we'll see how we get on <laughs> i don't think i have a yes or no question <laughs> so are there, are there any other kind of common mistakes that you see bands making in interviews or is it literally just the kind of close short answers that are just the killer for that kind of thing yes oh right well there we are <laughs> humor <laughs> um sorry what was the question again um it, uh you've wrong-footed me now um <laughs> i might have to leave all this in uh, so common are there any other common mistakes that you see bands making during interviews apart from kind of closed short answers to questions um not really no i don't think so uh the only mistakes that they've made in my interviews and it's not really necessarily their mistakes is because uh, my interviews are on YouTube and I used to film using Skype and Skype has a nasty habit of cutting off the image that you're filming at both sides so the only mistakes that my interviewees made were not going far back enough from their camera and they're not actually even appearing in the interview at all <laughs> yeah um, and that was quite embarrassing because uh yeah, actually, one or, the, one or two again. Um, but as for actual mistakes they've made, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think they can be mistakes. As long as they're being, you know, giving something and not making it like pulling teeth, which I had once. There was one band, and I was interviewing them in person, actually, and they were really keen to do this interview. And they kept saying, yeah, yeah, let's arrange this. And I arranged it. They came quite away to a, a venue that I was doing my interviews at at the time. And um, I was really surprised they got there. They kept their coats on, sat down and didn't say anything. And trying, trying to get anything out of them, considering how up for the interview they'd been, was, like, unbelievable. I thought, like, if they all had an argument on the way here or, you know, what's happened? 
And I think it was just them. They just weren't used to it and didn't really know what to expect. And it was difficult. That was difficult. But that's very unusual. It doesn't usually happen that way. Yeah. It can be agonising, can't it, when you're there going, just give me something, please, just talk. And then you get an occasional interviewee who decides that they want to correct everything you say or that you made a slight error and they are very keen to point it out. But there's only one person that's ever done that with me. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say. That's fair. That's fair. And, and anonymity of those kinds of stories is expected on this yeah. podcast, I have to say. I've heard many interesting stories, a lot without names. So there we go. Do you have a favourite interview that you've done? Is there, is there one that if I asked you this question, you know, you go oh, immediately the time I spoke with them? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I've done so many. I've done so many now that I really, I really don't know. I don't think there is one that stands out like that. Um, there's one, there are a couple that I did at Rocking the Bowl. No, sorry, Rockwich. There are a couple I did at Rockwich a couple of years ago um, that were quite amusing because Massive were there, uh, you know, about the Australian bands. And they have a lovely habit of running into interviews and disturbing them while mooning. So basically running in with their pants down across the screen, across the camera. And, and they did that during a couple of my interviews, I think. And that always makes it a little bit different, you know. <laughs> uh, stop shooting your tracks a bit. Um, so, that, yeah, that, that was quite fun. <laughs> memorable. Memorable, memorable, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, will, I will try and seek those out. Are they on YouTube? I guess, I guess they I are. I don't know. I think they must be, yeah. Whether I edited that bit out or not, I don't know. Whether they actually got the screen, they might have been... It might not be actually within, I, I don't know. But certainly everyone in the room got an eye for <laughs> I'll have a look at Rockwitch 2018 interviews. And if I can find them, if I can find an example of this, it'll be in the show notes of this episode. So yeah, I, I think if there was one, it, it might have been during the Gorilla Riot interview because they were, they'd been touring with them, so they were good friends. And I think they felt comfortable enough to moon, you know, during that interview. But um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Ah, sorry, I've just remembered one. There was a naked interview I did, but I wasn't naked. The band were naked. It was the Big Dirty. And they were they were really into that kind of thing. So I thought, well, that would be fun. I'll just invite them to Manchester. And I drove all the way up here, sat in a room with a blow-up doll, because I think their drummer was on a cruise or something at the time and couldn't be there. So they had a blow-up doll instead. They were all naked, and we did a Calendar Girl-style uh, sort of interview where they had their instruments strategically placed and um, i was offering them donuts and ramen all kinds of stuff so that yeah that was a memorable interview i don't know why i didn't think of that first but that was that a bit sounds different. pretty memorable <laughs> yeah, to me. yeah. <laughs> it was good yeah but knowing that band I'm, I'm not surprised exactly exactly and that that is definitely on youtube okay i will again that will be in the show notes <laughs> should i find it and i should be able to find that one so there we go uh my my final question to you is if people are interested in looking at um your videos or reading your work where's the best place or places for them to go on online well my youtube videos are if you do search for Anne estella rocks on youtube they should come up and include the band name uh if you can of the band you're looking for that all helps with the algorithms i don't know whatever it is i'm a technophobe so i don't know how people find stuff but that's probably the best way and estella rocks there is a link to my youtube channel on my social media pages so if you can find me on social media um 
at Anna Sellerox on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. There'll be a link there to my YouTube channel. Uh, in fact, I think it's my pinned tw- tweet on my on my Twitter page. And as for the publication, well, I'm writing for an American publication at the moment called AMP. Uh, the idea is to try and spread the word of our amazing rock scene across the pond so that more people know about it. And you know what? I'm not sure what their website is. I should know. I think it's my amp dot something. Check it out anyway. It'll be whenever I, I have an article published, I will put the link to that article on uh, face, you know, on all my posts, on all my social media pages. So the links are all there. Yeah, so they can look there. My older work, all my writing for Manchester Rocks. I don't know if it's still there because, you know, they take things down after a while. And so, um, but there's a few, a good few publications I was writing for. Um, HRH, Manchester Rocks, um, Down the Front, uh, On the House, and Anti-Hero Magazine. So some of them might still have some of the articles up, <laughs> if you're lucky. I will um, put links to all and sundry in the show notes of this episode. So if you're interested in clicking on any of those things, go there and that'll be the easier way. You don't, have to, you don't even have to Google. I've done it for you. So there you go. Oh, that's so kind of you. Anne, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been lovely. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. It really has. I'm going to go and uh, have a cup of tea now. So that is it for another episode of the Music Survival Guide. I'm sure you'll agree there's lots of really interesting tips and tricks and ideas that you can take away for your own interviews. If you enjoyed it, then please leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast, whatever platform you're listening on. Every single one is helpful in pushing out this podcast to a wider and bigger audience. Please also share it with any friends and bandmates if you thought it was useful, if there's any extra information that you want to share with them, interview thoughts and strategies, things like that. Finally, I really appreciate all of you. So if you're interested, there's a community on Facebook called the Music Survivor Guide Community. Hop over there for chats about music and band life with other musicians and industry people. And I'll see you next time.